Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. We are so excited to be in part two with the awesome Sarah Thomas. My name is Gismini Ramos, and I'm here with my ladies, Kira Kelly. Hey, Village. Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. Sarah Thomas. Hello. And we are in part two with Parenting in the Midst of Suffering. So we, Sarah, we had you in part one, and what a great episode. If you're listening right now, stop the recording and go to part one so you can hear hear the who Sarah is, her beautiful family, and the beginning of her story and her journey. But we're in part two, and there's so much of your story and you guys' family story and how much the Lord has done and is still doing in your family's life. But so, Sarah, not only you have walked through one of your children having cancer, but you also had a myriad of personal health issues. How... Have you kept going in the midst of your own personal physical suffering? Because to add up to your story, there's still more. (laughs) So tell our village. Well, I guess just to give a little bit of context, I had a condition that began in college. I started having chronic sciatic pain when I was in college, my freshman year of college. Really severe pain down my leg and in my hip and up into my back. Was I saw chiropractors, I saw orthopedics, I did all kinds of treatments, I did physical therapy, mm-hmm. and just struggled with that pain a number of years, a long time. Many years of going to lots of different doctors, trying to figure out what it was. Lots of people with sciatic pain have a disc issue. My, I did not have a disc issue. All my MRIs were normal, x-rays were normal. It's just nobody could pinpoint what it was. I would get some relief for a little while, and then it just was, it was just a constant. I couldn't, you know, I had... I couldn't sleep very well. I couldn't. It affected the way I walked eventually. And so it just sort of progressed and got worse over years. And finally, in I guess it was 2015, we found a specialist in California who invented a specific type of scan called an MR neurography scan mm-hmm. that w- that shows it's different from an MRI because it shows the interactions of nerves and muscles, which an, a normal MRI doesn't show. So through that doctor and that scan, we got a diagnosis finally of something called piriformis syndrome, which is a malformation in the sciatic nerve is supposed to run underneath a muscle in your leg, and mine was running through the muscle. It was was constricting the nerve. So it was probably the way I was born, but it didn't manifest until I was 18 in terms of pain. So by that time, by the time I got that scan, I had pain from my neck to my knee and just Mm. constant. I was losing function in my arm, my hand. It was good because your hips, if you think about if something's off in your hip, it affects the way you walk. It affects everything else in your body, your spinal alignment. I do have scoliosis as well. So that contributed to just major loss of function, chronic pain, constant chronic pain that lasted a long time. So after we got that diagnosis, the following year, actually right after we got that diagnosis, we found out we were pregnant with our daughter, Annalise. (laughs) 
And so the only correction for this is surgery, but we knew we couldn't have the surgery because yeah. I was pregnant. So after our daughter was born in 2015, we found a surgeon who would do this surgery. It's a very rare operation. They basically have to cut a muscle to free the nerve. Oh so I had that surgery and we found a, a doctor in Chicago who would do the surgery. So had that done in 2016. From the time that I started having pain till the time I had surgery was 14 years. So wait, you had surgery and you had a newborn? She was, gosh, nine months old, eight months old. A newborn. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, she started crawling the week I had surgery, which I'm in this giant hip brace. I'm on crutches. Like, I can't lift to change a diaper. I can't do anything. (laughs) Once again, church family swooped right in and was just so amazing. So anyway, right before that surgery, I developed, I somehow contracted an gastrointestinal, a really severe gastrointestinal infection called C. diff. Basically, you lose all your good bacteria in your gut and you're just super, super, super sick, like the sickest I've ever been in my life. I barely cleared that infection and got cleared to have surgery like within days. They did clear me. I wasn't well, but I was able to have the surgery and then had to do a few months of physical therapy after the surgery. But it was still, you know, recovering from this intestinal stuff and really even now still still have a lot of intestinal issues. Probably just from that being the root over the years, I've had lots of different diagnosis and treatments and bacterial imbalances. And basically, my body's stress response is off because of all the years of chronic pain. Basically, your brain is just your body is telling your brain constantly something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And you're in fight or flight all the time. And it's really difficult to shift that off even when you're well even when your body is well again your brain that connection doesn't turn off very easily so i still have some struggles even now through that just the i have a lot of symptoms of my you know kind of feeling in fight or flight mm-hmm. all the time so it's certainly gotten better and i'm grateful this surgery was life changing i couldn't i mean i was almost disabled by the time i had that done so that was amazing and we're grateful that i could have it when my kids were still little yeah. i couldn't do anything with them i couldn't run i couldn't play i couldn't go for walks i couldn't do anything i couldn't even imagine wow. like so, the yeah. basic things that you do as a mom <laughs> yeah. when you have a nine-month-old or you know you can't be on and off the floor playing yeah. <laughs> yeah it was very it was debilitating for sure so i'm grateful that my kids were little. I do have to say, side note, that I feel very ungrateful of the little things <laughs> that we complain of. A mm-hmm. lot of diapers, so a lot of changings, mm-hmm. and yet you probably yearning to do to those change things. a diaper or the lift. Yeah, yes, um, it, was, or it was hard. Do the basic things that moms we complain every day, and here you, you know, just desiring to do the daily mundane things that you're not able to do. Yeah. So since the surgery, it cleared up the entire... Yeah, uh, the piriformis issues result. Yeah, they had to cut the muscle to free this nerve, which worked right away. I had some, you know, the physical therapy. When I went to... The surgery is so rare and this condition is so rare that the physical therapist office that I went to had never treated anyone mm. with this. Like, they didn't have a protocol for this. It's a lot of, you know, core strength. You basically lose a muscle on one side, so you have to retrain the other muscles to do the job of that one that you lost. So core strength, stable, you know, things that stabilize. And I do, like I said... So you're telling us you're getting strong emotionally, spiritually, but physically. (laughs) Physically, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't feel very emotionally strong, but I was get my muscles were, you know, it certainly took away the worst of the pain. The scoliosis I still do have, and I have just kind of lingering pain all the time from that. But I, like I was talking about my hand, I, after the surgery, I started to have more normal function Mm -hmm. in my hand and my neck, I have neck problems as well. So that has been, I've been able to address that with chiropractic. You know what's mind-blowing to me that I know our listeners can see Sarah, but if you see Sarah, she's like this beautiful skinny mini, like... (laughs) 
looks perfectly fit. <laughs> perfectly fit, beautiful woman. I, like I, you will never. And I always think. have a smile on her face. I'll say I would not recommend my weight loss plan. <laughs> Don't do it. It's you not will never think. And the way <laughs> also how she carries herself and who she is, you know, yeah. as a friend, wife, and mom. Like you would never think that she's going through all this on a daily basis. So, Sarah, your kids were little when you initially had the surgery, and a great amount of that time when you were suffering physically. So now that your kids are older, you explained to us that you still do have some um, some things that you're working through with your health. Do you ever try to hide your suffering from your kids or do they even understand or know some of the physical pain, you know, that you may be going through? Yes, I do try to hide it from my kids. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but I do. I try to shelter them from as much as possible in terms of like, I'll say something like I'm not feeling well or if I, you know, I'm not, I don't always, um, I'm not able to eat meals with, I was doing all these super restrictive diets for a while. So they've gotten used to me not eating meals with them, which is, you know, a bummer. But so I don't want them to have the burden of like worrying about me or yes, like is mom okay? Or is mom about to fall apart? Or is, you know, mom can't do this and that, um, which is the reality still. Um, there's some ongoing things that I just, um, really struggle to do, you know, eating things like that, but I do try to protect them as much as possible. Last year I had an outbreak of shingles on my face. (laughs) It was crazy, scary looking. Like I look like the Terminator, like Mm. one side of my face was totally covered in blisters. And so I tried as much as possible, which that's super contagious. So part of it was like, you can't come near me, like don't Mm -hmm. touch me because it's, but I did try to keep them from coming in the room and, you know, things like just, I mean, that's a, I think that's a natural instinct of like, if something's scary or really wrong with mom and dad, it's, it's very scary and destabilizing for the kids. Like as much as we can, we try to keep it normal for them or that they, you know, they don't feel like they have to they worry about that, take that on. Now with Annalise, it's interesting because she's been through some medical things. She does have more of a sensitivity to like, she's more attuned to anyone, other people's, if there's something off or, you know, having pain or or something, she's very, she wants to bring you the ice pack. She wants to get you the band-aid. She wants to make it better. So she's harder to hide it from. Yeah, she's she has her that, empathy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, it's a hard balance to find sometimes, like you mentioned, empathy. Like you want to teach your kids to care for others hurting. And it's not like I don't want them to not care about me. But yeah, I don't know. I think I read an article a while back about letting your kids see, like your kids need to see weakness and you demonstrate that as a parent, not in a way that's to where it makes them feel like they're freaking out all the time, mm-hmm. but like they need to see somebody hurting and how they can help, accom- you know, how they can accommodate where they can, how they can help someone. And that's true of like just in the world, their interactions with others in the world to see someone who's hurting or needs something or is not able to, do, you know, even people being disabled or, or mm-hmm. things that I want them to be the kind of kids who have empathy and have the instinct to, well, I, you know. My mom has gone through stuff like that and I understand what that's like or I had a do- I had you know I had cancer I know mm-hmm. how hard that is and I love that you yeah, said was, have the instinct because yeah. that's something it needs to be taught yeah. and, and a know, sensitivity yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, they're not born with that instinct, you know. Some kids they gravitate, you know, towards people like that naturally, but it's an instinct that you got to you know teach him and yeah it, and yeah. learn to be aware of. Yeah. Well, I think there's a balance, too, because what you're saying, you don't want your young children to know every single ailment and difficulty and unduly worry at the same time. I think the article you were mentioning is valid in that we're people and we're human. And part of how you spur your kids' faith on as they watch you 
remain faithful and trust the Lord in the midst of your suffering. And I know that you can't hide everything mm-hmm. from them. And so you're being a testimony to your kids mm-hmm. as they watch you walk through difficult circumstances and still remain faithful and still trust the Lord and still show love to them. And I think that's really important. How has your suffering influenced the way you view God? That is a loaded mm-hmm. question. <laughs> it is. It is. It's um, a very black and white question. Yeah. <laughs> you either get it right or get it right. It's hard. I'll confess I really wrestle, you know, talk about wrestling with God. It's sort of an ongoing theme of like there is going to be a tension of wrestling with that until our bodies are made right again, which is not, you know, it's going to be something that you always have to carry trying to, you know, and the, the like, for instance, the Bible tells us specifically to pray for healing. It tells us to gather the elders. Mm-hmm. If anyone is sick, let them, you know, come together and pray over people and ask God for the outcome that you want. <laughs> like, take this away. And, and you know, even we can pray for other people. So that's hard for me. I, I actually, I've been prayed over and prayed with and been on prayer chains for <laughs> a long, long, long time, which I'm so thankful for. That's not a complaint. That's not, you know, that's the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says to do, to ask the Lord for what we need. And yeah, specifically to pray for healing. So it's really difficult to, sometimes it's hard for me to reconcile that with like, but what, you know, it's assuming that healing is always the best outcome. Like that if God doesn't, like you were saying, Kristen, before, like if God doesn't answer the specific way that you want him to, it doesn't change his character. It doesn't change who he is or what's true about him. And, you know, Jesus healed all throughout his life, miraculous healings. And if I could just touch his garment, <laughs> he could make me whole. Like, I know that I know that he has that power, but God doesn't promise us. He doesn't owe us healing. He doesn't promise us that we, mm-hmm. you know, he says in this world, we will have trouble. And there's there's so many scriptures talking about, like, you know, all kinds of physical ailments. Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a thorn, you know, whatever thorn mm-hmm. in the flesh. We don't know what that was, but there was a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed and prayed and prayed, God, take it from me. Remove this from me. I could be so much more effective for you if I could just do this or that. So, yeah, and that's something I wrestle with even with all this stuff that I go through. I talk about having, you know, some ongoing struggles with digestive stuff. I'm a singer and I love to sing. I've led worship like my whole life. And right now I'm not able to do that for all these different health reasons I'm having you know, a really hard time being on stage. I have actual physical symptoms. I'm feeling like my throat is closing, like I'm mm. being strangled. So I, I like, it's like someone is putting their hands around my throat saying, you can't sing right now. God, you can't use the gift that God is giving you. So, but I'm able to do other things. I'm able to serve God that doesn't, you know, doesn't make me unable to do anything for the Lord. Like he's given me this gift and I can't use it. And that's frustrating, but that makes me think of the apostle Paul. Like you, you think of these prayers of like, I could do so much more. I could be so much more effective. I could be a better mom. I could be a better wife if I didn't have this thorn. <laughs> if I just take yeah. this thorn and it would be, I could do more for you. I could bring you glory. Or if you heal me miraculously, how great would that be? Like the, everyone could see and we could give you praise. And so I think it's important to keep perspective and I and to keep bitterness from taking root in your heart of like, mm. God, he didn't give me that healing. So I guess I should just throw in the towel or I, sh- you know, shouldn't pray anymore. So it's, it's difficult. I say I wrestle with that personally because I, it is that like is a biblical call to pray for healing, to ask for healing. But there's also, you know, God is still good and faithful and, and he is who he is, even if he doesn't give that healing. Sarah, I hear you talking and I'm just, I'm blown away and I admire you so much because you have so much to be all those things that you're saying you're not like you have so much happening in your life that you can be bitter or you can be, you know, just asking the Lord so many questions like, 
but yet you choose to be grateful. I love that you said he doesn't owe us healing, you know, and you do have the reasons to be frustrated. You do have the reason to question God, you know, why you're not healing me. But yet you're reminding our village, you know, God is giving us the best gift of life, which is eternally. Mm -hmm. You like save us, you know. And I admire that a lot. Yeah, I don't know how I would react if I was in your shoes, so I commend you for that. But <laughs> where do you think we go wrong when processing suffering? I mean, you have shared a little bit with our village, but what have you learned along the way? And I do have to say that, again, like the way you're presenting your suffering says a lot about your character, you know, how you're choosing, you know, mm -hmm. to see it, how, you know, God's faithfulness and everything. But mm -hmm. how do you think sometimes us as moms and everyday, you know, people go wrong about processing suffering. Yeah, I don't know. I think I have probably already spoken to that a little bit just mm. in, in terms of letting, I think it's easy to let how we feel and what's happening, what we're experiencing and the pain that is very real to let that be how you, the lens through which you filter, God, you know, how you see God. Like, well, God allows the suffering, so I'm out. Like, <laughs> he must not be good. He must be indifferent. He must be unloving. He must be unable to heal. He's punishing he, me. <laughs> yeah, he chose not to do that. Yeah, and so I think there's such a danger of, you know, it's kind of this that you hear it in, like, prosperity gospels. <laughs> like, right. if you follow the Lord and you're faithful, you're going to get all these good things. And yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you get sick. You're like, wait yeah. a second. Well, what so did I God, do? Is God yeah. still good? Yeah. yeah. Have I done something wrong? I didn't yeah. pray enough. I didn't fast enough. I didn't yeah. read my I, scripture enough. Yeah. Talk about another phrase that gets me. Your best life is now. Like your best life now. <laughs> it's not. Your best life is not now. You're like, it's, please don't tell yeah, me. I know. This, if is, this is, is my best <laughs> life. I'm in trouble. <laughs> trouble. Yes. <laughs> you just end it now. Which I think is, you know, it's not a way of saying like it's this life is such a bummer and I can't wait to get to heaven. But there is a, a, like a really deep root to that of like this we're not made for this world we don't get too comfortable don't get attached because yeah, if somebody's reminded about here. eternity i think it's you daily because yeah. you're reminded yeah. that this is not my it's home broken body it's yeah. a broken body yeah. i live in the sinful flesh yeah. and i have the hope that we have in christ yeah. so sarah like i'm a mature adult i think most days and i'm taking all of this information in and i'm processing it as you're talking and i'm feeling so just so many different emotions just encouraged inspired just somewhat convicted but how do you transfer that all of this information all this goodness as you disciple your kids at home and as you talk to them about the the you know these issues i know they're young but do you think like as a whole, as moms, do you think we do harm to our children when we view their safety and personal satisfaction as supreme? You know, how do you take mm -hmm. the messages that you're you're sharing with the mom village and then, you know, kind of translate it yeah. down to, you know, mm -hmm. where yeah. kids can understand? Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant like, you know, and as they get older, it makes more sense to have some more of those conversations. You know, you're not going to sit down with your three-year-old talking about like eternal glory and you know but in a very real way like to remind that yeah I think like the safety issue is like and uh, obviously it's good instinct moms we want to keep our kids safe we mm -hmm. want them to be healthy we even when we think about like when we travel anywhere anyone goes like keep us safe keep us healthy <laughs> safety first like don't let anything bad happen to us and there is like you know there's a good thing about that again the scripture tells us to ask for what we need there's nothing wrong with wanting safety and wanting health and wanting an easy path for our kids. For me, it's like a constant balance, finding that balance of, I want them to know what it means to be resilient and to be willing to go through things. 
At least for me, it's like trial and error. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like you want them to be able to bounce back. Like you're all right. (laughs) Get Mm -hmm. back up. Mm -hmm. But also like it's okay to hurt and, you know, tell God about you're hurt and ask God. My kids, when they're sick or hurt, will ask me to pray. Like they have the, like, can you, can you pray about this? And I love that kind of, I want that in their minds and in their hearts. Like when things are hard, ask God to help or, you know, pray for other people. My daughter is constantly praying for other people about things. When we went on vacation recently, I had a sunburn. I got sunburned, which my other kids don't experience because they're brown. (laughs) And my daughter like wrote a letter to God about like asking God to heal my sunburn. Like she was very, I'm like trying to explain it's very like, it's going to go away in a couple days. So she was like devastated that I had sunburn. So she's asking God to take away my sunburn. But anyway, it's a funny story, but it made me feel it was very sweet to think like that's the kind of well, it's, part it's, that it I says want. a like, lot about yes. their character and yes. how in the little things, you know, they're choosing that. You but know. she even recognized yeah. that yes. sometimes, you know, we're so <laughs> inward focused uh-huh. on, yeah. you know, what we need. And that's good. Yeah. So as moms, we often, you know, focus and stress on the little things. But what life lessons have you learned that? You try to pass on in your children's as a result of everything you have walked through. I mean, you just share a little bit, like the first thing they're turning on is to prayer, you know, mm-hmm. and to God, which is awesome. But yeah. there's another, you know, life lesson that you've seen now that they're getting older that you like, oh, I didn't realize I taught them that. But naturally, <laughs> because of what we have walked through in terms of health, they're using it as a life yeah. lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I want my kids to have an outward focus a lot. Like, you know, we talk about, I mean, obviously, like pain issues that I've had or even like disabilities of uh, other people not being able to do like people in wheelchairs, people who have very outward, like it looks like they're struggling. You can tell that there's something wrong or that there's a struggle. I want my kids to be thinking of others in like, how can I help this person or how can I or can I ask them questions to find out what is going on to not be thinking of just themselves or what is going to keep them comfortable, but like how to reach, you know, how to be Jesus to others, how to Mm. have conversations um, with other people about things that that they might be struggling with and to do little things to help where they can and to, yeah, just have that kind of others focus instead of just thinking about what's going to be good for you to do and what's comfortable or what's Mm. comfortable. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, kind of going back to the whole safety thing. And of course, I mean, as moms, we teach our children to child through things. things. (laughs) Right. But I do think, you know, I always think about the early church, like in the book of Acts, whenever they were praying for one another and they were going out and doing, you know, dangerous things and going teaching against what the government told them they were allowed to do and they were being scattered and persecuted. They didn't pray for safety. They always prayed for boldness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think for us as moms, it's not that we don't want our kids to be safe. It's not that we even don't pray for their safety. But if we make that the goal, Mm -hmm. we're causing them to miss the lessons that God has for them and the ability. The in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the ability to think of others and to resonate with people. And I want my kids to be bold and unashamed and do things that most people won't do. Mm -hmm. And I want them to trust that God is going to care for them. Mm -hmm. And I would love for them to be safe, but sometimes they can't learn those other bigger lessons if they aren't willing, if they're so afraid Mm -hmm. because, and they're not willing to take risks. And sometimes during suffering, you realize, okay, I can get through this because of God. So how do you think that 
that suffering makes us more like Jesus. Well, he had a full life of suffering. He was the one who suffered the most of anybody. He's the only one who knew the suffering of separation from God, Mm. you know, the the full wrath of God. Mm. You think about that, like, there's no suffering that even comes close to that, to be totally and completely separated from God and to take the weight of all the sin of anyone who's ever lived. He lived a life of denying what his physical body needed of going through lots of physical pain of experiencing hunger and injury and illness and all kind of things that everybody does and then had to die a horrible death and to suffer the ultimate penalty so there's no greater example and i don't think we should necessarily wish for suffering like i you know the more i really want to suffer like jesus did like (laughs) if only i could get to that you know I think that, you know, there can be a tendency to have like a, the more you suffer, the better Christian you are, or like the more, the the more you you can put yourself through, then I'm really, that's being refined by fire here. Like (laughs) nobody wishes for that. Nobody volunteers to be the, the one who gets to glorify God. Or expect somebody that has suffered as the level that you have suffered to be now a theologian, you know. (laughs) I don't know about a theologian. (laughs) I know, like like you learn in the process, but that doesn't mean we got it all figured. Yeah, I think there is, you know, similar I was talking about in the other episode of like when you have a child experiencing illness like we did, and it can drive apart a marriage or it can separate you from the the person that you love and the person that you're supposed to walk with. I think suffering can do that you know, general Mm -hmm. suffering can do that with God. Like Mm -hmm. you can say, okay, well, he didn't heal me and he's not listening to my prayers. And I've been in pain for 14 years. Nobody like, he doesn't even care. So I'm just going to lose my faith. I'm going to walk away because there's evil in the world and they're suffering and I can't figure it out. And so I'm done with God. And, you know, I've seen that. I've talked to people who have experienced that. I'm not minimizing that, but there is a better way and a better, you know, you could either let it take you from God and to have bitterness take root and to think things that aren't true about God, or you can turn to his word and go to the Psalms where people are crying out, where are you, God? I don't feel you. This is horrible. Mm-hmm. What's happening? But they're choosing to believe truth. They're choosing to believe that you know they know who God is. They know what Jesus did on the cross. They know we have the Holy Spirit and he's with us and he's walking with us and he's going to see us through it even though it doesn't feel good and it doesn't take away, it doesn't minimize what you go through, but that God is still God and he hasn't changed. That again, your experience of what you are going through should not be what defines Mm -hmm. who God is, but you should let God's word define and himself define who he is and the Holy Spirit that speaks in you. And that's the truth. Wow. So yeah, I feel like Sarah's had the last word. Like I I just want to put a period right there. Like that's it. Yeah. So, Sarah, we just want to thank you so much. You know, we have a lot of guests on here. We talk a lot at Mm -hmm. the Mom Village. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and we've talked. There are just certain, you know, guests that we've had in certain episodes that just kind of just just rock us to our core. And I just have to say, for me personally, this has been one of them. We are just so grateful for your transparency and your vulnerability and your willingness to come and share not only your story, but share Annalisa's story. She'll listen to this hopefully in years (laughs) to come and just Mm -hmm. hear how her mom was able to encourage so many women, so many families. So we just thank you for coming and sharing with us at the Mom Village. And we're just so grateful and Hopefully have you back in a couple of yeah. years. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for yeah. having me. It's a privilege to be here. So on that note, we're going to sign off on the count of three. One, two, three. Bye. Bye.